Never found out why you left him, but this answer begs that question. Too blind to see tomorrow, too broke to beg or borrow. Young and stupid, left wide open, hearts are wasted, lives are broken. One more point of contention, I need some intervention. Approach with vague intentions, betray my short attention. Mavericks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Movie Mavericks. Speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait. Hey now, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. I send you over to Jason Rugard, who has an 11-inch dick around... <laughs> He's going to tell us what we're watching, <laughs> what we're watching, oh, what we're talking about. We already watched favorite lines from this movie. <laughs> and it's true. Uh, this is, of course, American Pie 2. We're doing the retrospective number 15 in our supplementary series here. And uh, this was the biggest or the second biggest comedy of 2001. And I think one of the best comedy sequels ever made. Where, where do you stand on American Pie 2? Yeah, I mean, are there many comedy sequels? <laughs> well, there's a lot of comedy sequels, but not many that are very good. Uh, I guess I don't know. Usually, I, I don't really think. I, I guess I don't really think of comedies as. Well, yeah, okay, sure. As of late, yes. Well, even as of late, I don't know. There's there's a lot more one one off comedies. The last one that I thought was good, uh, sequel wise, was Twenty Two Jump Street, that equaled the original. That's true. And I think that. American Pie 2 is actually the high point a, in this series. Good comparison. Yeah, I, I would agree as well. I think this is the best one. And obviously, audiences also agree. Um, if you just look at uh, people, ticket buyers. Yeah, this opened up with $45 million back in 2001, which adjusts to like $68 million today. That's a huge opening for a comedy, uh, especially a raunchy mm-hmm. teen comedy. I don't think you'd see that kind of reaction to any uh, non-headlined by a big star comedy today and uh, a gross and eventual uh, adjusted $221 million. So the high point financially of the series as well. I hate to use the expression mm-hmm. laugh a minute, but I think that totally applies to this movie. I, I crack up very often. I, it's been a long time since I saw this, first of all. Have you seen this recently? Yeah, I, I've seen it. Plenty of times to know exactly what happens. I don't even need to watch it anymore. Oh, um, okay. But I like all of them, really, to be honest with you. I do, too. Uh, and they're great to watch back-to-back because um, just the whole crew, you know. It's a great crew of guys to watch as they, you know, f- fucking flail around through their lives, you know, as they never quite get anything right. That's a good way to put it, too, because they, they're charmingly... Uh 
aloof. Offbeat, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Aloof would be the best way to describe mm -hmm. it here. And everyone um, in a different way, which is which is what kind of makes it work together. You know, Jim is obviously the very nice guy, doesn't know what's going on, and and Stifler would be the complete opposite. He's a complete asshole, but he still doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, and it, it's this came out in a special time, uh, I think, as well, because it was just when things were being uh, – the raunch factor was being taken up to mm -hmm. a point and the gross-out comedy hadn't fully taken over yet. I know something about Mary was in play, uh, but well, this capitalized I mean, I there is on that beautifully. Another, the, obviously, the release date is, is something perhaps, I don't know, to talk about. I mean, being um, – you know, having come out before 9-11, so it really didn't get that – the hurt that was put on it that is claimed by Zoolander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scrutiny of it. I mean, I saw this in theaters. Did you see this in a theater back in the day? I don't remember. <laughs> I remember only because Honestly. there were sections of this and rewatching it now because I haven't seen this in years. And going back and rewatching it now, I recall certain reaction shots and in, in lines of dialogue that you couldn't hear mm -hmm. because people were laughing so hard from what was going on, it's particularly in the sequence that we'll talk about a little bit later. We break down the story uh, with the lesbians and when they're in the house. Uh, that was riotous to people. I mean, that like, literally. I mean, I hadn't heard laugh it's like that in a theater since. Actually, I heard it in Scary Movie One and also in The Nutty Professor, where people were laughing so loud you couldn't hear the next line of dialogue. And it's very rare in a comedy have I ever heard that in theaters. But that definitely hmm. happened here. And uh, in this this sequel to me is interesting because it got good critical reviews. It did great box office, and mm -hmm. it established. Two things here. It established Stifler as the face of the series, but also mm -hmm. Eugene Levy, Jim's dad, as the face of this franchise. And I think those two characters are nicely equally balanced in this movie, are, are my two favorite people in this whole whole picture. Yeah, I mean, you, I would say I would, I would add Jim into that mix because he really is the the guy, the every the every guy character, right? He he's the guy that, that we're going with throughout the journey, and these other characters are a little too offbeat necessarily to line yourself up with and say. But you know, guys like this, and so that's a uh, that's why it works. And the other characters are just kind of there, right? I mean, you know, Kevin. I mean, give me a break, Chris, Paul. You know, give me a break. Yeah, Those guys are a little just bit there. Of a dud. Yeah, yeah, shipwreck. I mean, he's he's nice. He's funny because of the whole Stifler's mom thing. You know, Oz is really just. I mean, he's absent from the third one. Uh, he's just, and you don't notice. <laughs> 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 Am I wrong? You don't. And then there's poor Kevin, who's just. God, that is a sad character. <laughs> it's particularly in this entry, it's the saddest character in this. But uh, you know, American Pie One was somewhat infamous for coining the phrase MILF. I mm -hmm. think everyone can agree that's where that came from. And this one was equally infamous, especially in my group of friends, with the rules of three. You know, the rule of thirds and dividing okay. by three and, mm -hmm. and multiplying by three for men and women. And a lot of clever things. And, and I, these movies mm -hmm. are so 90s still. And like you said, pre-9-11, they have a certain innocence and kind of, uh, I, I don't know, just... just a naivety, but a raunchiness that's a mixture in equal parts, but doesn't feel overly sentimental. Strange movies. <laughs> Time capsule movies for me. Good movies. Great movies. I love watching these movies. 
They're very feel good, you know. Let's pause for a quick second here and let you listeners listen to the trailer for American Pie 2 to get you back in the swing of what we're talking about. This is actually my first time. Skin it all. No, 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 it's, it's, it's my first time uh, since my uh, first time. Yeah, so it's second. So do you not want to do this? No, I, I do. Okay. <laughs> Where's my big guy? This oh, no. Just for your own edification, I just want you to know I'm not embarrassed. This is human nature, human nature at its best. Uh, your mother and I have been known to get the frisky. Not so much anymore, but this is uh, perfectly natural. I got cookies! Ah! Honey, no, honey, no, no, is, no, no, no. I, I'm going to take her to the car. Stifler, Nadia, Oz, Vicky, Kevin, Michelle, Finch, Jessica, Heather, Jim, and Jim's dad. And this other time, at band camp? Jim? You're really here. Times change. People change. But friends and family are forever. I'm Jim's dad. Uh, this must be uh, your daughter here. I didn't get her name, but hopefully my son did. American Pie 2. All right, and poor Jim there, who is Jason Biggs, like you alluded to before the break, is really the glue here mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because he's the well, vessel for the audience. And it is interesting. I mentioned Kevin, poor Kevin, but Kevin really is the guy, um, at least in these first two movies, that creates the entire movie, right? He's the, he's the uh, plot me mechanism, that's for sure. Of course, him. And, and let's talk about all the people that show up. You know, obviously Kevin's brother, Casey Affleck. I totally you had, forgot. You had Casey Adam Affleck. Brody in here for, for Flash. Joanna Garcia is, of course, the girl that gets knocked out when uh, when uh, John Cho, right, pees on, on Stifler's head. Who is that girl? Uh, Joanna Garcia. Who, who, She's been you, around. She's been in uh, a lot of TV <laughs> stuff. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, she was extremely hot, so I figured she was somebody. Um, but I totally forgot that Casey Affleck was Kevin's older brother, but mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise me when I saw that Chris Moore's name was in the producing credits who did Project Greenlight with Ben Affleck and right. Matt Damon, so there's the connection there. But I, when I heard the voice, I thought, oh, that's right, he gave him the, the book. And if anything, this movie made me want to go back and rewatch all of the films, not only the first one, which I treasure as well, but the third one, which is a lesser uh, experience. And I the like fourth the third one. one. Uh, I think I actually like the fourth one. That gets no play. Yeah, I have to agree as well. I watched, well, the thing about the fourth one is just timing, right? Because this move, these movies, really all us. three of these, but even this American we Pie 2 one. Yeah, that's, but that's not it, right? The, these were, this was like the beginning of, of this. And you could really see what, the, what a movie, what a raunch comedy could do, right? Um, and they mattered and they were important. And, you know, we went on to, you know, Judd Apatow and all that other kind of stuff, which is basically in the same vein. I um, mean, all those guys. And they basically, by the time you get around to American Reunion, it's just a rehash of the last decade that's already come before it. And it's just a huge letdown, right? It's not groundbreaking anymore. You know, I saw it in the summer uh, right before my high school reunion. Of, uh, I'm going to say how many years and, and age myself on air, but it, it really hit a lot of uh, marks for me in, in some sort mm -hmm. of way, even though it was superficial in a lot it's of ways. Still, but 
it's still very funny. I've, I, I've caught it since, you know, taking off my critic hat and just sitting back to watch it. And it, it's actually funny. They call this the Porkies of the 90s, you know, particularly sure. Robert in his review. Uh, but I think these are better than those. Those were uh, those were cheap and went for easier yeah. laugh. These have uh, – it's particularly – I don't want to say these because I want to uh, focus in on American Pie 2, which is what we're talking about. Sure. But I, I do want to specifically say these and this specifically has constructed set pieces that aren't just one – like things that are set up, played out, paid mm-hmm. off have a punchline later. Well, they definitely you know have I mean? rules that they play by, but they come up with different situations that work in uh, in completely different ways. Things that you haven't necessarily seen before, right? But always playing by that, those same rules. So you're comfortable, at least, especially in American Pie 2, it's very comfortable to, to go through the, the storyline because you know, you kind of know how it's going to work, what's going to happen. Um, and the music just fits so well. Oh, the music! I mean, a time capsule, like I said earlier, is a way to describe this. This is so many of these. Uh, yeah, you know, late I, 90s bands. when anyone mentions American Pie to me, I, I immediately think of the Blink One Eight Two song that that opens uh, this movie. In our podcast, that the one that we played at the top of the mm-hmm. hour here, and uh, this, I love the way they introduce Stifler in this with that one long tracking shot through the party where mm-hmm. he's alternately being cool and insulting people left and right, and um, it, it's a great way. Uh, to to just get you back into that that character and the series for me. When I see that, I go because the opening sequence with Jim and his dad that was more for the the teaser and the trailer. That was that was advertised for months. We knew that was coming, so I mm-hmm. I saw that. And I thought, okay, well that's a, a continuation of the last movie and the kind of things that were going on there. Right. And then once Stifler comes back on and he's going through the party and doing that, I thought, now I'm ready to get back. With these this guys. movie's full of that kind of stuff. You know, little little off trips and things. You know, the lesbian stronghold. Um, all those types of things that really don't amount to anything uh, story-wise. I don't certainly don't push the story forward because I would say the story would have to be um, Jim's story, right? I don't think anyone else really. Or is it Kevin? Does much? <laughs> yeah, but fucking Kevin, fuck Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, he's like a minion. Kevin and Kevin's Bob, God just I don't know, but I mean the Michelle and Jim storyline is the one that shines here. I thought, um, and of course all the the hijinks um, that Stifler goes through. As well, and everyone else is just kind of just superfluous to the whole thing, really. And even Kevin, even though he gets them out there to the lake house and stuff, it's like, good God! After that, all he just does is Vicky, 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 and it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's too, too, it's too truncated. It's too small. And there's and there's no magic there. I don't know. Uh, these movies are so sweet, um, yet at the same time they have the, just the right amount of sour to them. You know, just the right, that right amount of raunch that. Yeah, to me, it just works. It works 100% of the time, and this is a near, nearly flawlessly executed uh, raunchy teen comedy here. And the Stifler character is so well done here and cast with Sean William Scott, who embodies this perfectly. I mean, he basically looks like an Abercrombie and Fitch model and acts so in on the joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know he's in on the joke as an a actor and an intelligent human being, but he acts so aloof. Here is a precursor to Thad. From Blue Mountain State, in a lot of ways, I can't yeah. think of. Thaddeus, um, yeah. <laughs> and there, the movie is stuffed with comedic set pieces. I mean, you get really two in the opening fifteen minutes with 
the opening sex sequence with Jim and the girl in college and then Stifler getting pissed on. And then you go into Jim mm-hmm. with the trombone. And really the film's centerpiece is that fantastic sequence that you talked about earlier there. The lesbian, the lesbian stronghold. Which is a <laughs> Guys, I found a dildo. I found a dildo. <laughs> it starts with, with Stifler finding a dildo in a house that they're painting. And oh I mean, the girls come back home, and next thing you know, it's it can, just and the stakes keep getting raised higher and higher and higher. And that sure. was the sequence in the theater when people, I mean, you you could not hear what the what the payoff uh, lines were because people were laughing so loud. It was part gross out, um, you know. It's part uh, it's titillating, and it's that's sexual. perfect with the yeah. And that's how this kind of movie is so well at playing off uh, itself i guess in the way with the the lesbians where all the guys want to see that but then they make them do gay things with each other that nobody wants to see right it's kind well, of a you also up the ante by, uh, you know, you have having, Kevin and stuff. Having, having them watching and then the radios being broadcast. I yeah, love them when fighting the father's over at the, the picnic. Yeah, I think I can fix these. <laughs> and then he yells, I need dinner. He goes, I'm not hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it's no stone left unturned comedically. It's not lazy at all. They didn't sit on their laurels here. They actually thought things through. They gave you a story that is different than the first and makes sense in the world that these guys are living in. They they're not really allowed to party at home. Their parties keep getting busted. They're home from college for the summer. So they they go out to a lake house. They get a job as painters and to support themselves and it's really about uh, the chicks they're trying to fuck at night and the hijinks they have during the day at their job. And it, it's completely simple. It's a perfect summer comedy. <laughs> yeah. It, re- it really is. You can practically feel summer when you watch the movie. <laughs> My personal favorite. <laughs> see, I know, honestly, the music, too. I feel like uh-huh. I should only be watching oh, I love this the music, yeah. 90 degrees out. Uh, my personal favorite sequence, though, in the entire film is when Jim super glues his hand to his dick <laughs> and then the stakes once again are raised when he has the videotape, videotape. <laughs> well yeah there's that moment when he tries to throw it into the bed and then he there's a that's one second wait and then pulls it back out and you're like yeah and that's perfectly done by biggs <laughs> who, whose physical comedy gifts are underrated uh, does it constantly in his series mm-hmm. um it is very good at doing it and it, as the scene is playing out i'm thinking well, I guess for a while it would have been a DVD he'd be attached to, but nowadays it would, would it just be his phone because there'd be no physical media. This guy would be watching porn. On and he wouldn't be able to turn off. I know. I did love the getting to hear a tape load into a VCR. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And when he comes home with with the big boxes, the oversized uh, carton. That's how we used to have to watch it, you know. <laughs> uh, I never watched this. Right? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what? But my favorite. I was talking about movies. Just My favorite Stifler moment uh, in this movie is such a small moment. It comes after Jim is taken off. Or he's being loaded into the ambulance. <laughs> and yeah. Stifler's there smiling in his robe, giving tries him the to, thumbs up. Tries to go with him. <laughs> he just sits there. He just <laughs> gives him the thumbs up with a crooked smile afterwards. And it, is, the door. it is classic just dialogue and shit and, and great delivery from everyone here. Even the Stifler. I mean, the moment you're talking about when the paramedic's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, this is family only. Are you family? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> this is too good to miss. He's like, no, I can't come. Like, that's just a stiffly thing. Like, just doesn't give a 
fuck about it's, Jim. It's, it's within the character, Jim. though. It's not outside mm-hmm. of the realm of that character and what he would be right, exactly. Uh, think, yes. doing. That's why it works, too, because it doesn't seem like it's just done for laughs. And it, it, it organically comes from that um, obnoxious person. And When we you have all, all the other stiffler. characters who, who go, oh, he's Stifler, you know, basically standing on the sidelines. So you get that, again, the, the movie, you get the assurance that the movie knows, don't be an asshole, but Stifler can't help it. Two things I forgot about the girls in this movie. Um, well, actually, let's go three. One, mm-hmm. that Tara Reed used to be really hot. I know, right? Um, two, that Mina Savara was never attractive, but her character in American Beauty made us think she was attractive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and okay. three, where the fuck is Shannon Elizabeth? God, she was gorgeous back then. Yeah, she. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I mean... Boo boo kitty fuck yeah I, I liked her in, in a lot of things yeah <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back yeah yeah you know I know I got you I got you I got you. I'm just <laughs> saying it for everybody else there, there's other people listening they thought you slipped on air and didn't get your Freudian slip there um, but uh, I I just I forgot and it really Natasha Leone uh, is is put to the sidelines here but Allison Hannigan. Mm-hmm who I never appreciated in these movies, even when I was fans of these movies. I didn't appreciate her breed of uh, comic sensibility and timing until I watched Buffy. And I'm not afraid to say, you know, say that we both are, are fans of that series. And, nice. Uh, You'd be afraid for me, at least. <laughs> well, I know you, well, I'm afraid for you because you're an Angel <laughs> fan as well and all the other ones. <laughs> and all the other ones. Firefly. <laughs> Anything in the Whedon universe. Um, yeah, I like Allison Hannigan. I I did like her her nerdiness in this. I thought it worked uh, perfectly, really. I mean, uh, her and Jason Biggs play off each other so well, especially those two characters. They really are a match made. They're they're just perfect. You know what's funny is that I hear certain things in movies, um, especially from the period of the mid '90s to the early 2000s, that became catchphrases. You know, before there was internet memes, we had catchphrases. Mm-hmm. People. Uh, for you millennials that might be listening. It was just shit people would repeat. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like the Austin Powers stuff. And the <laughs> this Borat. one time but, at Bandcamp? Yeah, mm-hmm. but that, I mean, that right there still comes up all these years. Like that and yeah. the and then from yes. Dude, Where's My Car still come up. Because that shit is funny in Dude, Where's My Car, though. Well, both those, I mean, both the Bandcamp and <laughs> right. the and then are from roughly the same time period and outlasted the Borats and the oh, Austin that Powers. That shit is and, funny. All that stuff. So, yeah, I always think about that when I hear uh, <laughs> the one time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I love that uh, he, Jim realizes when he's telling Nadia the story later, he does it in a perfect imitation of the Allison Hannigan delivery and mm-hmm. excitability and whatnot. She's a, a special actress, and they found a, a, a good venue for her energy. Uh, let's talk about Stifler's dad, the role that was cut. Filmed, cut, cast, all this kind of stuff. Did you know about this? No. So Stifler's dad was written into the script, and it was originally supposed to be Chris Penn. And they filmed Ah. it, and it just did not fit the tone of the movie. Director J.B. Rogers, who had worked with the Farley brothers in various capacities for a long time, felt that it did not match up with the rest of the movie, and it kind of gave it a weird uh, realness, he said, in some interviews that I found online. John C. McGinley auditioned for the part. So you can see those are two pretty intense actors that don't have necessarily a comic um, talent. 
<laughs> they know, John C. McGinley is very yeah. comedically talented. I disagree with, the, with that. And, would have, and now that you say that, would have been a perfect Steve Stifford dad, I think. Well, either of them I would have taken. Um, but yeah, McGinley, I think McGinley more than Penn, but I don't know. But really, Stifler's mom is in it's, three seconds of the movie. It so. seems unnecessary regardless, really. I couldn't imagine where you would fit. Do, do, do you know what scene, like where it went? No, I don't know. I, I have a the DVD um, here that I have of, of this is one of these Universal Collector's Edition. What did you watch this on, by the way? That's what I watched. I bought the, yeah, I watched the unrated cut. The, um, I have the three discs, just regular DVDs. Uh, I have this um, collector's so, edition DVD uh, set from. Uh, it's called the special features on it, music videos, all their screen tests. Yeah, mine had stuff on it. So I didn't watch any of that other stuff though. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Yeah. So I love I, when they say over know. ten hours of entertainment. I thought, oh fuck that, please. Really over ten hours? Can <laughs> no. I tell you how they decided? That have was you 10 hours? if you ever watch any of that shit? It's boring as fuck. Like screen tests and stuff. Oh god, they're terrible. It's like watching my own screen test. It's horrendous. You just have no idea. You watch those and they're terrible. It's like, this is not, how can you tell this person's good or not? They took a gamble. Um, well, the thing is they have three commentaries on here. One by the director, one by the writer and some uh, various mm. cast members. So they include that as part of their 10 hours is like six hours right there. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's kind of a cheat guys. Just saying. Um, yeah, not that anyone needs to spend 10 hours of their life. Watch the movie out. three more times. Yeah. In different variations. That's all right. But J.B. Rogers, the same year he did this, did Say It Isn't So, which I think is That's about underrated. the only other thing he did. It is. But I like that movie. That's a fucked up movie. I think it's funny. <laughs> Of course you do. You like incest? <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny. Fucked up movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not. I won't say it's bad, but it's nowhere near as good as a lot of things. But it is one of those forgotten gems that not a lot of people have seen. So if you haven't seen it, uh, I would definitely encourage people to look it up because it is a 90s. Well, it's not 90s, 2001, but it is a, that, a very 90s feeling uh, comedy. It reminds me of a, a low-key version of Me, Myself, and Irene. Kind of that. that kind of, I guess, yeah. Um, and even uh, Outside Providence. Yeah, like which is fantastic. Yeah, that's that's really. We should do a retro on that one of these days. Yeah, an outside Providence. Severely. Not overlooked. enough people have seen that uh, good old dildo there. Yeah, isn't Alec Baldwin in that too? He's yeah, Alec like Baldwin's a, calls the son dildo and a resurgence right now. That's uh, dildo baggins is also used in dildo that. baggins. They got some good ones in there, man. Before before any of that shit, and then when he gets the girl in the end, the the, the brother goes, "Oh look." She's Mrs. Dildo. <laughs> They're so mean to that fucking kid. <laughs> they are re- totally in that movie. I think it's the Farley's brothers. It is there. hysterical. Yeah, I think it's loosely based on uh, on one of their lives or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think growing up uh, back east in the sixties. Yeah. It's a good movie though. Great film. But yeah, getting back to this, let's let, take a break here and let you listen to Ebert and Robert give praise to this. They gave this two thumbs up in their review. We'll let you listen. They've got a year of college under their belt, but they're still thinking below the belt in American Pie 2. I'm Roger Ebert. And I'm Richard Roper. American Pie was the porkies of 1999, a ribald sex comedy starring a cast of mostly unknowns as horny teenagers on a mission to get lucky by prom night. The entire cast has been reunited for the sequel, which packs more laughs than the original and even squeezes in a sweet love story in among the gross-out gags. It's the summer after the gang's first year of college, and Jason Biggs is still clueless about romance, so he turns to an old friend. 
But considering the high quotient of scatological and sexual jokes, American Pie 2 does a pretty good job of giving the characters a chance to develop and to grow, so to speak. I also give it credit for not pulling punches. There's no PG-13 compromise at work here. If you're going to be a raunchy teen film, be a raunchy teen film with nudity, politically incorrect humor, and liberal use of the F word. I laughed out loud at least a dozen times, so I'm recommending American Pie 2 without apologies. You know, I laughed a lot, too, although I'm not sure it's funnier than the first one because mm -hmm. the first one had the benefit of the elements of surprise and freshness, right. but this is a very funny movie. You know, the character that's beginning to grow on me is Jim's dad, played by Eugene Levy. Yeah. This has to be the most supportive <laughs> and understanding father in the history of the universe because in every movie, his son gets into an unspeakably embarrassing situation. Right. And we can't even talk it on television about what happens in this movie to poor Jim and his father. I'm proud of you, son. Jim's dad. Uh, it's yeah. perfectly natural. Yes, right. We'll go through these things together. This He's happens right to everyone. You're wondering. He's very funny. This has never happened to anyone before in the history of the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I like this one better because actually I'm more familiar with the characters. Uh -huh. And they're, you know, that Stifler guy is just funny. I mean, he's a jerk, he's crude, he's yeah. obnoxious, uh -huh. but when he walks on the screen, you laugh because you remember how funny he was. So, I mean, compared to some of the dreck we've seen, this proves it's not easy to do gross-out comedy. Movies like Animal House and Caddyshack, they endure all this time, and I think of the American Pie franchise well, because it's hard to do, and when it's done well, you appreciate it. Now I'd like to see American Cake, which would be about four or five girls, because I think there's also an angle there to be exploited. I'll watch that, too. Okay, so obviously... They liked it very much for a lot of the same reasons that we did. He said, yeah. uh, Roper, that is, says he laughed about a dozen times. I would multiply that by about three for me. Uh, but I guess if you're being uh, a hard-nosed critic, it, that's all you can say. That's a pretty ringing endorsement for this movie, don't you think? They're pretty high on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny movie. Um, and I agree with uh, everything they say, especially Roper saying that he, this movie's better. This is the thing we say a lot about sequels is that they're oftentimes better. And when they are better, uh, they're much, much better than the originals because we've already set the stage. We already know the characters. We're ready to go on, on another journey with these guys, you know, mm -hmm. we're ready to, to get back into the gang again. And so, uh, I agree. I think this works, uh, as well as it does mainly because the first movie exists and we've seen it. Do you think that they that this movie works well too in retrospect as we watch it as retrospective because we know what happens with these characters too? Uh, I felt a certain kinship as I watched this, like ah, you know, because we we see. I like the fact that there's four of these movies. They age uh, uh -huh. in different ways. They go off in these different kind of tangents. It makes me take stock of my life when I see them and think back where I was when I saw the first one at what age, the second one, the third one, and then the fourth, and uh, how it paralleled my life in a certain mm -hmm. uh, pattern. So it made me have a an affinity towards these characters that uh, as I'm watching it, I thought – Man, I remember the summer I saw this, and we were doing a lot of the same stupid shit that these guys were getting in. You know what I mean? Not uh, to this uh, extreme extent, but, you know, right. uh, trying to figure yeah. out where the next party was going to be and um, so-and-so going off in relationship on, on long-distance relationships and mm -hmm. interesting stuff. And it made me feel young again watching this movie in a lot of ways. It really did. It captures that youth essence, I think, very well. Yeah. I would agree. It really does. Uh, it's one of the reasons I think this is a, a favorite to go back to is it's just it, it makes you feel good about the past, you know, and I guess about those memories of that time, you know, of, of the 90s, even though these it came out, you know, 2001. But that first uh, movie coming out in 99 really cemented this 
whole thing as a 90s like trilogy, didn't it? Well, this script was being peppered or, or at least, uh, you know, thought about and, 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 and developed in the late 90s. So it is a mm-hmm. 90s comedy in a lot of ways because it came out in 2001. I mean, shit, they were shooting this, I think, in the summer of 2000, which is you're still in the 90s. You're virtually still. We didn't know. We didn't figure shit out until 2005, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Okay. Once YouTube yeah. came out, it was like, oh, okay. Now we can. Now we're in the new millennium. But uh, Rupert says that there's more laughs in this one than in the original. I would agree, and I think there's actually more laughs in this one than any subsequent film in the series. Do you think the same? Or I, I think the first I, one's I a guess. more of a gross. I mean, outcome. I don't know. If you, how do you count laughs? I I don't. I just I don't know. <laughs> I just thought this I was laughed a- through all of them probably about equally. I think this one's the best written, and and easily the one that um that just has the best storyline and and for everything falling into place and not feeling pushed or you know staged in any way. Whereas the other ones kind of fumble here and there, maybe especially the the third and the fourth one. Um, but I don't know. I don't really see a huge difference between this and the second one, other than. We don't need a lot of setup anymore for this. Yeah, this one just starts. We already know. Yeah. They waste no time in this. And it's an hour and 45 minutes long uh, running time here, which is pretty long for a a rated R teen comedy, but used very well. There's no fat on this. There's no waste. Um, I thought they they did a good job here keeping it moving full steam ahead and – couldn't find any dead spots or maybe a couple montages that didn't, weren't necessary, but it's an eighties comedy. That's what eighties comedies had with montages. I mean, shit, if they had anything else, it was fucking montages in the eighties, right? Where aren't these ultimately homages to those kind of things, but just raunched, uh, raunched up. And well, yeah. I mean, the, I, that would be the, the start, I guess of this. I mean, I mean, they had raunchy sex comedies in the seventies as well. Um, and likely in the 60s, I don't know of any, but, you know, probably. They probably had them since the beginning of film, right? Uh, but, yeah, I think that these this is really looking back at the, the 80s more than anything, right, and trying to replicate that, um, albeit in a much slicker, me, like, meaningful way. I don't know. A lot of those 80s movies lacked meaning and heart, really, um, and were just completely silly, you know. Exercises. Well, like Revenge of the Nerds or any of that kind of stuff. Like it, it really, um, especially once you get past the first one, um, sequels typically f- from the eighties and even early nineties movies, um, just, they just gave up. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't realize people would come back to the theater, I guess, to see sequels. They thought they were going to rent them at home and fall asleep. That's pretty them. much what happened with a lot of that stuff. So. Yeah, that's why you get some bizarre sequels, uh, to co- especially comedy sequels in the 80s, like Revenge yeah. of the Nerds 2, Mannequin 2. I mean, there's some weird ones out there that, that take things in a fucking... Revenge of the Nerds 4, when Booger gets married. It's fucking weird, right? Booger gets married? I never yeah, made it that man. far. Oh, wow. There's four of those fuckers? I gotta... I gotta like, Booger's I the only I one s- left at that point. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. Cash and paychecks. <laughs> Was Bobcat Goldwith too busy to get in on that action or what? <laughs> All right, so I'm stoked we went back and watched this. I, I really enjoyed looking at this again. I I know you've seen this multiple times since the uh, initial viewing of this, so this is no biggie for you. But uh, I'm glad you suggested this one because I'm, I'm glad we even saw this. Well, you suggested this. <laughs> well, you had, you had brought it up previously, and uh, I had just oh. you know 
been wanting to watch this. It's been one that's been sitting on my shelf staring back at me. Mm. I, think, I should give that a look. And uh, I almost didn't want to look at it again because I remember being so fucking funny the first time. I didn't like want to <laughs> let myself. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah, yeah. No, I know. Like, ah, maybe I've changed or something. But mm -hmm. it was just as uh, as ruckus as I remember before. I mean, I love, love this movie. So highly recommend anyone out there going back and checking out American Pie 2. It's typically on one of the streaming services almost always. So um, find it. Watch it. Find it. You can probably go down to the uh, thrift store and find the DVDs. Yeah. These, I mean, like I said, this collector's edition that I'm looking at here, I think I bought this for about 95 cents. Yeah, they put these things out like mad. This was easily $30 when it was brand new. Yeah. And this Back. does, you know, to be fair, this actually American Pie franchise has a whole straight-to-video franchise as well. So it kind of does have that weird sequelitis type thing to it <laughs> yeah especially like those uh last few Revenge of the nerds you were talking about that yeah they're like very TV much movies. like that yeah i saw one or two of those i actually had they're not uh, bad I, to be honest i with dated you. a girl years ago and her older brother mm. liked these movies and he made me watch one of them and i think stifler's brother was in it or something of that is or that band camp I, I shit. I mean, this was probably I mean, this easily ten years ago, if not longer. Right. So, well, that's about when they all came out. Yeah. So no, I, like I laughed more word. than I thought I would. But the band camp one was Steve Siffler's brother basically has to go to band camp, um, and that was actually one of the better ones, um, and had a really nice had a really sweet story to it. Ariel uh, Kebble was the the girl in it. Um, I don't I don't know if it was you know, the same. She, you know what the Dunbar theory is? You ever heard of the Dunbar theory? Yeah. How do you keep all these fucking names in your head of these I don't know. Nickelodeon stars? <laughs> Nickelodeon like stars? She was on Gilmore Girls, all right? Thank you very much. Okay, well, CW stars. You knew the name of the girl kissing on Stifler when you got pissed Joanna on. Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I won't remember anyone famous or anyone worth remembering, but I remember a lot of people that you just like, who the fuck is that? I don't know. Oh, she's an assistant to Selena Gomez. Uh... We're good. Well, on the note of uh, Trevor reciting teeny bopper names, we're going to wrap up our <laughs> 15th uh, retrospective. We want to thank you guys all for joining us, of course, on these podcasts. We enjoy doing these look backs. You can catch our past looking backs. Uh, Troy, we did recently, Vanilla Sky, a bunch of others on moviemavericks.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you may be getting your podcasts. We'll have another regular podcast coming up for you shortly and a retrospective after that. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Great!
let you know when Don't count on me I'll do it again